Hey there. All right. Welcome to the podcast. I am Brian Francis. It's go time. Today is Sunday, August 12th, 2018. A very nice day. I felt the first nip of fall in the air and it felt lovely. I'm ready. I'm ready. The seasons are a change and fall is here, but just came back from the shore. So summer's not over yet, folks. Still have sand on my feet as I'm back from the shore, which is why the podcast took a little longer to churn out this week. I was away from mission control, but now I am back. So let's start with the apologies, um, as is the tradition here on the show. A couple erroneous statements of last week. Number one. You may recall last week, because I know all you've been thinking about was the previous podcast, I attributed a review of the film Soul Man to the film critic George Shallot. I don't even know if that's a person. I just said I thought that was the name, but I don't even think that human exists. So that sounds sort of right. Actually, the reviewer was Joel Siegel. Joel Siegel, and I do remember him, the bearded gentleman, I believe. Joel Siegel said Soul Man was very, very funny. And then someone said, gave me a correction, and as an English teacher, this one hurts doubly so. I falsely or accidentally or wrongly used the idiom, get my goat. For For 42 years, I've been using get my goat wrong. I always thought the phrase was a positive saying. A positive idiom meaning to make someone's la- someone laugh. But in fact, to get someone's goat, it turns out, is to anger them. Which makes no sense to me when interpreting idioms. Were I to get your goat, I thought you would be happy. Your goat escaped from the barn, it hopped the fence, and here I got it. I would think that would be a good thing. Anyway, who can figure out these idioms? I apologize. It's confusing. It's, and I teach these things in class as an English teacher, idioms. I used to say, you know, an idiom, it's like a word that if you interpret, a word or a phrase, interpret it literally doesn't make any sense. Like, you know how people say uh, it's raining cats and dogs out? And I realized a couple years ago, my students look at me like, nobody ever says that. No, but not only is that an idiom that, that, that we don't care about. Nobody even says that in real life. The only time people ever say it's raining cats and dogs out is when they're teaching a lesson on idioms. So, needless to say, that realization got my goat. See what I did there. So those are some corrections from last week. Um, other things that are occurring, and let's get a little... Uh, time check here. I like to uh, know where I am. Oh, there we go. forgot to start the timer. Um, someone asked me, sent me a message and a query saying, listen to the podcast. Are you autistic by any chance? They were wondering if, as they put it, uh, am I on the spectrum in any way? This, I found this question fascinating. The first reason being because the question was about me, which is always extra fascinating in my mind. 
But the other thing being, I've never even considered that. No, I, to answer your question, I don't think I'm autistic. I don't think I'm on the spectrum. Uh, and I've never even considered that before. Uh, and really, if I, if I am, like, what would I do about it now, right? Isn't it just, it's too late. It's too late. And I'm not, not making fun or mocking anything like that. But, you know, what, what accommodations could be made for me now? At 42 years old, I don't know. Could I get an aide, a helper in here to help with the podcast? Could I get tested at this age for autism? Does it work that way? Could I consult the school psychiatrist in my high school and say, listen, I know you're busy, but I would like to know. But then I'm like, you know, why, why would this person ask me that? Is it like because I'm showing an interest in something maybe? I feel like people that are too uh, – show an interest in something too obsessively are often quickly labeled autistic. That ain't right, yo. That ain't right. Can't it just be a hobby? Maybe I am on the spectrum. I don't know, but a fascinating question – Thank you for that. I will let you know what the school psychiatrist uh, reports reveal. And with this podcast, you talk about stuff and people oftentimes send you weird articles and strange things that are connected to things you've spoken about. A couple weeks ago, I discussed the documentary Vietnam in which monks were setting themselves on fire in protest. And someone sent me a link of a person in Montgomery County who uh, set themselves on fire while they were in jail the other night as a form or an act of attempted suicide. I don't know what to do with this when people send me things like this. I said, uh, boy, that's, that's tragic as it is. I don't know how to respond, but thank you uh, for, for that article. You're listening. And then people will like uh, you'll get some friend requests on Facebook through this podcast, and I like to do this, and uh, you can do this too. The next time you get a friend request, uh, if it's someone totally innocent, totally innocuous, like I got one, I think from the lunch lady where I work, totally innoc. This is like my grandmother. This woman, when I received the friend request, I was sitting next to my wife, and I said, "Oh, friend request," and she said, "Oh yeah, who?" Who's reaching out to uh, contact you? To uh, who? Who's this person? And I like to do this, and you can do this too. I just said uh, it's a person that meant a great deal to me a long time ago. This person meant a great deal to me a long time ago, and then I just shut my eyes and I pretend that I'm imagining these unbelievable magical moments that I experienced in my past. Something that my wife and I could never share because this person connected with me more deeply, more, uh, you know, a more intimate bond than anything that could be in my uh, years of marriage. But in fact, it's just the lunch lady. But I like to spin that paranor paranoia out there. You can do that too. Some friend requests you. It's a person from a long time ago that, that I had a bond that I don't think could ever be matched with any other human. Do that. For a good time, do that. So some friend requests. And then like when I get on Facebook, like, you know, I try to play fair too. When people do cool stuff and are up to cool things, I comment. It's not just me. It's not just look at me. 
I'll comment, hey, cool thing, good, I like that thing that you said, or you did, or you do, but here's the problem, the second I comment, bam, yo, we should hang out, I'm like, ah, I can't even, I can't even comment on people's stuff, because instantly, it sets the dominoes into motion, you comment, we, you, I come back, you touch, uh, when should we hang out? It's like, ah, can't I just say something without this sort of domino effect occurring? So now I, I can bear, I'm really hesitant to comment on anyone's stuff, but I like, I like everything. I, I like all your stuff. Just a universal thumbs up to everything. It's not that I'm anti-socialist, just, you know. I, fig- I figured out what it is the other day when I was at a party. Here's what I don't like to do at a party. Like, if people are, like, sitting around and, like, talking about, say, hot dogs, and someone would be like, you know, I like hot dogs. These are the conversations I-, I hear a lot, stuff like this. And it could be, insert anything, I'm just going to use the word hot dog. I like hot dogs. Someone will say, you know, I used to like hot dogs, but now I don't. Someone will say, I like National Hebrew hot dogs better than Ballpark Frank hot dog. And someone will say, I like... The hot dogs with the whole wheat bun, but I don't like to. And the whole time I was thinking, "Oh my God, I don't care." Oh my goodness, does it matter? Does anything matter? Do you realize we're one second closer to death during this hot dog discussion? I feel people sometimes just have a need to fill the air with words. Fill the air with words. Whereas I like the Quaker. Uh, philosophy don't speak unless you can improve upon the silence i like i used to like more hot dogs than i like now but any discussion of food or what you eat or what you don't eat or what you used to eat i'm just i'm checking out i'm mentally checking out the other thing i'm not i'm not down with talking about anymore and i feel like my kids are bringing this up a lot lately if if somebody's hot or cold i'm so cold Oh my goodness, I'm so hot. Like, this does not need to be verbalized. This does not improve upon the silence. If you're hot or cold, do something about it. But you don't need to state this. This this statement of temperature does nothing for me. These are two conversations that I like to avoid. Let me get a sip of coffee. Uh, another homebrew, Folgers, uh, and it's going down well. I gotta say. Back from the shore, back from Wildwood, New Jersey. Go ahead, judge me, judge. I like Wildwood. I love Wildwood. We've been going there for a number of years. We like the beaches, the boardwalk, everything Wildwood has to offer. Particularly those board, the the boards. That's the slang you said. Walking the boards. The thing is with the boardwalk, it's really, I consider myself sort of a pop sociologist trying to notice people and what they do and why they do the things they do. You'll never get a better insight into human nature than reading the t-shirts that are sold on the Wildwood Boardwalk. And they change from year to year, the slogans and the messages, depending on the summer. It's always been a fantasy of mine to, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't start this when I started to going to Wildwood as a boy in the 80s, I wish I bought a t-shirt every summer that had the catchphrase or saying of that summer. And then I would wear them periodically throughout the year. 
it would be so cool to have all the catchphrases just wearing a t-shirt that said, talk to the hand. People be like, what? what oh, was that like, that was a thing a couple of years ago. I remember, what's up? I would just wear all the dated catchphrases. I think that would be so cool in, a, in an ironic distance sort of way. Homie, don't play that. I, I've only uh, bought one Wildwood t-shirt with a pop culture slogan or saying on it. And this was a couple of years ago. It was, in fact, the tank top. Because for this message, the tank top felt more appropriate than the t-shirt. And the message was, come at me, bro. I just felt like I needed that. And I do wear it from time to time. Come at me, bro. I still feel that message often. But it's like you can learn so much about our world and culture by looking at the slogans on these t-shirts. It's like I'm always looking for the cash grab, the quick hit, the, the way to become fabulously wealthy and, and revered. Uh, and if I could just somehow think of a, a movie or a or a piece of art or a product to sell that could fuse all of the messages contained on the Wildwood Boardwalk t-shirt and just like somehow whittle it down to one. If I could get like Donald Trump and Fortnite and the American flag and uh, alcohol and marijuana and uh, just all the things you see on these t-shirts and somehow just Put them through a compression chamber till one idea comes out and write like a show or a, a movie based on that. Because it's really a capitalistic work of art to create the summer t-shirt, right? It's a very small scale experiment in capitalism. First, you have to anticipate the audience. What do they want? What do they desire? What is popular? So you have to find the correct catchphrase and then you got to price it just right. Because there's a lot of competition on the boardwalk for t-shirts with a similar slogan. So your creativity and your marketing, you're finding that right price point. It's a small-scale example of capitalism, the Wildwood Boardwalk t-shirt. I mean, bottom line, homie, don't play that. So... I don't know what I would create because these t-shirts like, have you ever heard of sociological ideas in which humans have these deep lizard brains that are beneath our logic brain and our emotional brain? It's like a, a lizard, a reptilian sort of brain where we just seek like pleasure and it's just like the simplest needs are in the base of this section of the brain like that's what these t-shirts are they unlock our base desires you, you know you can't go too high end intellectually on the wildwood boardwalk t-shirt you got to keep it pretty uh you know lizard brain focused Saw a lot of Eagles t-shirts down there it was beautiful to see those Eagles Super Bowl champion t-shirt oh so satisfying finally my team celebrated on the boardwalk 
it's back at the condo swimming at the pool and talking a little football and the guy's like yeah i don't uh I'm, uh, I'm from Philly. I was like, oh, yeah, it's something about the Eagles. He said, I'm a Packers fan. I said, a Packers fan? Did you grow up in Wisconsin or did is there some sort of affiliation? Nah, just as a kid, I liked the uniforms and I've always been a Packers fan. See, I don't like that. I, I, you know, I thought, and this guy's bigger than me, so I didn't say it. But I thought, you know, grow up, grow up. I'll only say that to people that are significantly weaker than me. Because I feel like that's just childish. And I even think the NFL doesn't want you as a fan. The Packers don't want you as a fan if you just like their uniforms in your Freudian years. Look, you got to root for the team in which where you live. Or if you moved but you lived in a certain city from ages 0 to like 10, I will accept that. Then that can be your team for life because, you know, you grew up with them. As a child, it affected you. It affected your upbringing. But you like the uniforms. Oh. There are other things you can do with that fandom. We don't need you, cheesehead. But it was fun. It was fun. It was. Uh, there's a whole motif in Northern Wildwood. The hotels are based on European cities. So you may recall, you podcast fans, that I went to Athens earlier this summer. And sure enough, when I looked across the deck at the hotel, immediately to the right, the hotel was called the Acropolis. And that is the exact same positioning that the actual Acropolis was in my apartment view, up and to the right. It was amazing. And the hotel across the street was called the Athens 2 there was the Tuscany, the Isle of Capri. You know, we're doing some Italian things as well. The Jade East. It's a whole motif of Europe and Asia, and it's quite fascinating. I don't know why Wildwood does this. Le Boot. A big international celebration. I know it's a pretty international shore point. I also think there's this sort of understated, what do you need, what do you need Europe for? You got Europe right here. You got the Athens right here. You don't need to go to Europe. You got everything you need. And you and the Eagles are on. And you can go to Acropolis. It's it's on Fifth and Surf. What do you need everything? I don't know. But I, I think I like it. I like it. I kid because I, I tease Wildwood because I love Wildwood. I know some of you don't. I know some of you are turning your nose up at me right now, you Sea Isle City and Ocean City and Avalon folks. I'm looking at you. Well, look, here's my rebuttal. Here's why I give my vacation dollars to Wildwood. Two words, beach tags. Beach tags. I'm against them, folks. I've been to the most beautiful beaches in the world, and guess what? They're free. Guess what? Wildwood's beach is free, and it's beautiful. Oh, no, you need the beach tags because they, it helps to, to help they clean the beach. Well, yeah, Wildwood's beach is clean, too. Beaches in Greece, very clean. The municipalities are cleaning them, but they're not double dipping by charging people to step on the sand. It's unethical. It's not American. You can't own the beach. I'm looking at you, Ocean City. Irish Jesus doesn't own the beach. 
We should all have access to this thing. You've been built and duped into believing these beach tag fees are for maintenance, yet other beaches pull it off no problem without a beach tag fee. Hmm. Where's this money going to? I'll tell you where. The fat cats. That's who. So I bring my family and my vacation greenbacks to Wildwood, where the beaches are free and the t-shirts are crass and offensive. Ocean City, we're a dry town. Shut up. Truthfully, Wildwood is very nice. I know it gets a bad rap. I've never seen any, like, you know, I've never seen people smoke a meth or, or anything. We first went through, we're like, oh, man, this is going to be, like, rough. It's beautiful. It's fine. And maybe my standards are low. I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, part of Wildwood, so I can't see it from the outside. I don't know. I sometimes worry that I'm not a good judge, that I'm, like, I'm too far inside it to see it now. But I support Wildwood. <sighs> The, the one thing we noticed, so my wife noticed this, but, but me too, it doesn't get cold down the shore anymore. Past like five, six, seven years we've been down there, like it's, it's hot at night. But we both remembered as a kid you would need those hoodies to stay warm. There would be a stiff breeze coming off the ocean. Not anymore. It's just if this is an argument for global warming, I don't know what else is. It doesn't get cool down the shore anymore. It's a broiler at night. And in the morning, the humidity makes my hair curl up into a lovely perm, I got to say. At first, I put some product in to straighten it out, and then I thought, why? I'm on vacation. Let my hair relax and look like, yes, I'll say it, Gordon Lightfoot's. Lightfoot cropping up again in the podcast. Because those 70s singer-songwriters, the men did have nice perms, didn't they? Nice permanence. I wonder if I could even get a male perm, a permanent, at like the barber where I like to go, a little mom-and-pop place called Supercuts. What would happen if I asked for a perm? What do you think the employee would say? Would she murmur to another employee and then have to get the manager? This guy wants a perm. What should we do? Would they give me one? I would hope so because guess what? You'd have a lawsuit on your hands if you refused to give me a, a perm. I would show up with a picture of Gordon Lightfoot and say, can you do that? Okay, I want to I be that. Have you ever done that, men? Because I think for women, this is perfectly fine. But for men, this is very, very vain and embarrassing. Uh, have you ever shown up at a hair cuttery, a supercut, a barber of your choice? The, the chain or the place is not important. The thing is, have you ever came with a picture in hand? Yeah, I was, uh, can you, can you, I was kind of thinking maybe that. Oh. I, I did it once before. I think it was like two years ago. I was like, uh. Can you, uh, I mean, I was mortified. I was like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, I don't know. So I had it on my phone. And she's like, what, do you, what, are, what are we going to do today? And nine times out of ten, I'm just like, I don't know, just trim, just 
you know, you just try to get out of that conversation as quickly as possible because it's very embarrassing. It's very vain as a male to give too specific of direction. Look, I want to down and then swoop to this side and then this side a little bit. It's just like, mm. you should have maybe, maybe two directives and then that's it. Anyway, the picture on my phone was of the MMA fighter, Conor McGregor, because I'll admit, I think he's kind of cool. So I was like, uh, so I sheepishly pulled the picture of McGregor out of my, uh, or pulled the phone out, and I said, uh, I'm, I was kind of thinking maybe this. And uh, she goes, uh, who is it? Is this Conor McGregor? Look, look. She turns to her, her coworker. Look, he wants to look like McGregor. She said, oh, let me see. I said, I, just give me the phone back. It doesn't, I don't care. It doesn't, and they're looking at it. <laughs> look, he wants to look like McGregor. <laughs> and I feel like they were laughing, thinking not only is your haircut not going to look like McGregor. I mean, you really have to do a lot more working out to, to look like McGregor. So I think they were thinking like, don't even, the haircut is the least of your problems. And I was mortified. I was just like, it doesn't matter. Just give the... I'll just take my phone back. I'm, it, just a little off the top. Just a trim. It doesn't – I don't even know whose phone that is. Just – I was holding it for a friend. I just want to trim. Oh, it was like the nightmare scenario really did happen. They couldn't stop goofing on me. So that was the deal. But now I'm going to bring a picture of Gordon Lightfoot. Prior to leaving for the shore, I saw Fish, the band Fish and Camden on Tuesday night. Probably about the 13th, 14th, 15th time I've seen that band. Been catching them since 93. And I uh, went with my good buddy and we had fun hanging out. And uh, it, was a, it was a great night. But man, that band, I mean, they're a little frustrating. I've seen unbelievable shows by them. And this was a good one. But I got to say, the set list, it was a little obscure for my taste. I was looking for a couple more mainstream cut. When a band comes out and the first song you don't know, it's like, all right, okay. They're being a little experimental. And then and then song number two, they play it. And I was like, hmm, all right. I don't know this one either. And I've been following this band for, for 20 years. And I don't know song number two. All right, well, this is cool. I guess it's like an experimental. And then song number three, I don't know. That's when I'm like, son of a B. The first five songs, I didn't know. That'll take a little wind out of your sails. The fourth song, it's like, you, you arrogant SOB. And the fifth song, it's like, I'm done. Never again, fish. Never again. I've said that so many times at fish shows, only to come back. Because they win me over. They always have these moments where I'm like, yes, again, again. But as I get older, I'm less patient with exploring new material. I just wanted to scream, play the good songs. I know. I know. If were I a true intellectual, I would vibe off the witnessing live improv music, experimentation, new concepts and ideas. And part of me is right there with you. There's another frat boy side of me that is just like, play the good songs. Let's go. Let me hear Run Like an Antelope. Let me hear you enjoy myself. Ghost, Chalk Dust, Torture, Rift, The Moment Dance. Which, the next night, they played every single one of those songs. Unbelievable. Sorry. I'm learning to accept the things I cannot change. And the fish set list is one of them. But there were some moments of transcendental dendence. And I uh, I was digging it. I was definitely digging it. 
But that sucks when a band kind of... Radiohead was in town last week. I didn't go to the show, but apparently they didn't play Creep nor Karma Police. Come on. You gotta throw it. You gotta throw the crowd a bone. I know you're sick of it, but are you really that sick of playing the guitar in front of millions of people? Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. What a tough life. Play the good songs. I'll be back. I'll see Fish again. I'll see them for the 16th time. Then I got in the Uber drive, uh, got an Uber on the way back, and uh, the driver, speaking of music, was listening to the rapper Little Dicky, Little Dicky, and I immediately pounced on this. I said, "Pardon, do you have any gray poupon?" I said, "Pardon, good sir." I couldn't help noticing you're listening to Lil Dicky. And he got very excited. He said, that's right, I am. I love Lil Dicky. Lil Dicky's awesome. So the reason I bring this up is I am a teacher at Cheltenham High School, and Lil Dicky is an alumni, alumnus, at Cheltenham High School. So uh, I have met him. I have uh, been in his orbit, and he actually came back to the high school uh, a couple months ago and uh, hung out with him and said hi and got a – Got a cool picture with little Dicky, and uh, so it's kind of cool. We have a couple famous alumni at Cheltenham. Benjamin Netanyahu, another alumni. Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, graduated from the high school where I teach. Buddy Wine's really into talk radio. Uh, Mark Levin, who is a famous conservative talk show host. Yet Mr. Levin does not appear, appear on the Cheltenham Wall of Fame. Hmm. I wonder if his politics have blackballed him from the Wall of Fame. Hopefully Lil Dicky's songs don't cause him to be ousted from the Wall of Fame as well because he is certainly deserving of the Wall of Fame. If you don't know Lil Dicky, he is fantastic. His songs are so hilarious, clever, insightful. Uh, if I didn't know the kid, if I had no affiliation with him, I would still listen to Little Dicky probably three times a week. He's that good. So seek him out. Certainly rated R, rated X, these songs. But uh, I think he's got a great heart. And so funny. So funny, this kid. I didn't teach him. I wish I did. I wish I could say I was the English teacher that changed his life, that said, you've got a gift. But I just remember seeing him in the hallways with his buddies sort of goofing around. Very positive kid, funny kid. Uh, but... No, I didn't have like a dead poet society moment with him. Like, little Dicky, stand on your desk and see that book. Rip, rip the, go ahead and rip the pages out of that book because, well, that was a trap. That was to see if you would deface property. That's that's your first lesson. Don't deface property. I don't know. But I didn't. But I got into an argument a bit uh, about rap with the Uber driver because he loved little Dicky, and then he said, you know, rap today. It's terrible because they don't tell stories. They don't tell stories. And I, I hear that critique a lot from people. And I find myself debating probably more about rap and hip-hop than anything else in my life. People want to engage me on this subject, and I don't know why. So it's like uh, I feel like I thought of this rebuttal the other night because I think the stories are told in modern hip-hop. Because as I mentioned previously, I'm a big Migos fan, Drake, Kendrick Lamar. I think it's just as good if not better. These rhymes are coming in three times the speed. The puns and levels of thought are three times the depth. And 
I think modern hip-hop is where it's at. You listen to some Snoop now, it's good, but man, it just seems very rudimentary in a bad way. Although I still get down with some Snoop. A Tupac. People always bring up Tupac. Tupac. Like the Uber driver did. He said, yeah, no Tupac. I said, I don't know. You know like, I feel like Tupac. You know, Tupac is like the, the Bruce Springsteen of rap for me. I just... Too sentimental or something. And he said, well, they don't tell stories. They're not sincere. Does everyone have to tell a story? Why can't you just say Versace, Versace 500 times? That feels right to me. Sometimes I don't need to learn. Sometimes I just want a good banger. A good southern crunk banger. I don't need to constantly learn to think about my relationship with my parents, my wife. Sometimes I just want a good Versace, Versace, Versace. That was, that was the debate. I feel like I often engage Uber drivers in conversations because there's a part of an anonymous freedom thinking that you'll never see this person again. And I feel like I use Uber drivers uh, as not only transportation, but also my psychiatrists and psychologists. I will tell them anything. I would say things that I would never say on the podcast to my Uber driver. Ambitions, fears, dreams, hopes, devastations. I'll air it all out. Even if the driver can't speak a lick of English, I'll just keep going. Sometimes that's even more freeing. It's like a Catholic confessional box in which you don't see face to face. Just the priest turning to the side, talking to me. That's that's Uber to me. They're fantastic, though. You hit that button, man. The only problem with Uber is they show up too fast. Like, if you're leaving somewhere, you're like, all right, I'm going to get Uber, and then uh, and then we'll go over, we'll hang out, and we'll, I'll say goodbye to people. Oh, the car's here. It's here already. Bye. They show up in, like, two seconds. It's like, I need ten minutes. I need to pee. I need to say goodbye to a couple people. And bam! It's like they're just waiting out front for you. But I do admire that efficiency. That is the way to go. But you know what? In the battle of the East Coast, West Coast Wars, I'm going biggie, baby. East Coast. East Coast. All right. I'm going to shut it down. Thanks for joining me. Comments, questions, concerns, complaints, conundrums. Brian Francis podcast at outlook.com. Have a great week. Bye.